Hi, it's Ash. And this week on the Kick-Ash Live podcast, I had the great honor to spend time with singer-songwriter Lisa E. Williams. I have to tell you, I am so deeply humbled to have spent an hour with a soul who views the world with this much compassion, this much curiosity, this much humility, this much empathy, this much generosity. There is so much depth, so much goodness in this conversation. It is rich in all the things that matter. Here's how we met. Lisa and I met at the UPS store where she works when she's not creating music. And a few weeks later, we connected at the bank next door. And right there at the local bank counter, we just started trading stories. As these things happen, does this happen to you? It's the best. And Lisa and I bonded over our mutual respect for Kathy Heller, who is a singer-songwriter turned podcaster turned business and spiritual coach. And a while back, Kathy Heller paved the way for her own songs on shows like Pretty Little Liars and One Tree Hill. And then she started teaching other singer-songwriters like Lisa how to make a living with their art. And since then, she's changed course. But as Lisa says, I wonder if Kathy knows the impact that came from and through her songwriters group because... She pulls out of you what you didn't believe in yourself. And I just think, what if we could all just do that for one another? How much more creativity, more love, more joy, more expansion could there be if we just decided to do that for one another, to show how very much we believe in one another? There's one more thing. After recording, Lisa and I bonded over the fact that there were women who gave birth to us and women who raised us. And these relationships can be complicated, fraught even, and there's more on that at the end. But this is why we share our stories with one another. We find common ground we'd never have anticipated, and in that, there is healing. I trust that when you listen to the creativity, the beauty, the impact that is Lisa E. Williams, you will know that you have heard the voice of an angel. And stick around to the end. We'll share Lisa's latest single, Burn. Lisa, I've been waiting on this conversation a long time. That's good. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you run across people and just like, there's always some commonality somewhere, but who would have thought we were bonded over uh, Kathy Heller? I know, right? And I, I totally want to talk about that, but I just want to reflect back to you that like the times that I've met you, mm-hmm. um, both at the UPS store and at the bank, yeah. you are one of the few people these days that looks somebody in the eye and smiles and like you just create this instant connection with people. And my heart was like, I need to know her. <laughs> So yeah. here that's we good. are. Yeah. 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 It's really neat. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So you are a singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. a filmmaker, yeah. so many things, yeah. but I think your journey maybe it took a bit to get there. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I, as a kid I always loved music and uh, the way I got into it is my dad was in the, was in Vietnam War twice and he had this reel to reel and he used to come home and he would um teach himself Vietnamese on the reel-to-reel. But in that, he had reel-to-reel of like the Beatles, James Taylor, uh, Hendrix, and he played it in the living room. So that's how I got into music. It's because, really it's because of him. So uh, I just love it. And um, and then I started writing stuff, you know, when, you know, of course, when you're young, it's really not that great. But, you know, as you get older and you have experiences and things like that, that's kind of where that journey started, you know? Well, those experiences need to go somewhere. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's been so good. You, you see, you are self-taught, I read, that yep. you taught yourself to play guitar at yep. 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did that even happen? Did you just... I just, you know what, I, my, I had a cousin that played guitar too. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you want to be a rock star, you, you're in the mirror with a tennis racket, picking it up and just doing <laughs> that sort of thing. So uh, my, my parents bought me a, um, a, a replica of a Fender Strat guitar that David Cassidy used to play in the Partridge family. So, no way. <laughs> so that's kind of where I picked that up. And um, 
you know, is there, there's always chord books that come with it. So you learn the shapes and things like that. And, um, and I just kind of took it from there. So I just, that's where that came from. It's just, I guess it was my cousin and, and David Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. But so you started writing music because the words needed somewhere to oh, go. Yeah. How do the words come to you? I think it's like, uh, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's painful if they don't come out, but like you have to get it on paper. It's like when people say, if you want to achieve a goal, you write it down, it becomes real or, you know, and so I think that just writing what you're feeling uh, helps you process it more. And it's sometimes therapy. Sometimes I go back and look at songs that I've written before. It's like, what was I writing about? I'm like, you know, you might get a little emotional about it and you might say that wasn't that good, but it's still a part of you that came out and you put it in on paper and into music, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's so, so much of your, so I've been listening to you on Spotify oh, for okay. a while now okay. and I love, um, it set me free. Yeah. I, yeah. That yeah. was for some friends that were struggling with mental health. And I think it, it's, it's to some degree, we all struggle with some sort of mental health. Right. So I'm a huge advocate of that. Right. So I just had friends that with addiction and health, mental health, and just hoping that the, you know, the words that they hear, will be something that can be positive and just uh, set them free from all that noise that kind of tangles you up and not being able to be free of those those uh, demons, if you will, to just to get out, you know? And so that's what that song came from. It was like, and that was like the first song that got signed to Kathy Heller's, uh, her uh, sync agency, um, Catch the Moon. It was the first one. And, uh, and right after that, I remember John Kleinbell, who was her music director, they called me up and said, we want to rep your song. And then COVID happened and all of everything stopped. It was like, oh, you know, so, uh, but I was so thankful. I remember I still have that poster of that song on my, on my bedroom wall where I sort of manifested that it was going to get signed. It was in February and they called me up that day and uh, it got signed to her, her agency. I want to talk about that, but I do want to say like, we all have so many noisy voices in our heads and I relate so much to that song about yeah. trying to come to peace with that. So thank you yeah, for well, that song. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, Kathy Heller mm-hmm. for the uninitiated. She is a podcaster, mm-hmm. a very successful podcaster yeah. who talks about life mm-hmm. and business with a lot of soul, mm-hmm. but she also teaches the or taught at some point, right? The art and business of songwriting. Yeah. How does this work? How did you find her and connect with this way of making money? I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was on Facebook or whatever it was. And it was just her way that she drew people in in an honest way. And I think that's what people gravitate towards her because she speaks with just so much truth, right? When she does it, it's like um, she pulls out of you what what you didn't believe about yourself. You know what I mean? And I think the, you know there was one of the questions. I mean, in the Zooms that she would have, people would be crying and typing in the, the chat, you know, and just, you know, what would you tell your six-year-old self, right? And um, I remember, I still haven't made this album yet or made an album yet because we've just been doing singles, but I remember... She said something like, you don't have to live there anymore. And so I told her, I told her, I said, one of my records is going to be, you don't have to live there anymore, meaning you don't have to live there and the self-doubt, the guilt and all that. So, and I think it was just, the, I mean, I think 2000 people signed up that day when she started that uh, sync uh, thing where people were just, if you want to know about sync and her Zooms was just so I don't know, you can call it spiritual, magical. It's just the way she can draw things out of you that you just don't think about yourself and help and help you get rid of a lot of self-doubt, you know? So I really love that about her. And so you, if I remember correctly, you kind of shifted careers to make space for doing what you really wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was creating songs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I probably would have, if I have that hadn't come along, I probably would have just co- sort of not, I think I've written more songs and collaborated more people since I did the whole Kathy Heller thing. Because it was, you know, you try to, a lot of times for me, I kept things to myself, didn't release things, but I've, I've written more songs, met more people, and just, you know, collaborated more people than I have since, you know, since I started writing. And I think that's a good thing. It's just collaborating with people and meeting people. Because, 
Uh, I'm an introvert to some degree. I probably wouldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for Kathy Heller, you know what right? I mean? Because it's just, you know, you have to open yourself up because everybody has something to give and teach people, you know what I mean? So so I'm really thankful. That was a, one of the biggest blessings is, is getting in that Kathy Heller class. And so she teaches or taught you then the, the business of songwriting. What does that even look like? How do you sell a song? Well, and she, you know what? And she, te- she taught how to really, you know, how you would approach a sync agent, right? And how you would do an email, how you would, you know, just like when you and I met, you was like, hey, you want to go out for coffee? Let's, let's, you know, and you really don't go, hey, I just want to do a podcast with you. We had, we grew a connection. And that's what she teaches is growing those connections and not just saying, hey, I'm a songwriter. Can you listen to my song? You know, if you're going to email somebody, maybe, you know what? I noticed the other day your dog had this beautiful red coat on. I have a dog too. And it's just doing those things instead of just saying, you have something, I want you to give it to me, but you got to cultivate those relationships. And that was her biggest thing is really cultivating those relationships. And you can see on her podcast as it grew and grew the people that she got on there just by building a building relationship. And that's the biggest thing that she taught us is just don't take, 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 give, give, give. And then, you know, sometimes uh, I think she talked about one person that had contacted another person in music and they didn't even talk about music the whole time they were on a phone call. And then maybe months later, they said, oh, I, I didn't know you were a songwriter. Hey, listen, I have a project that I might be able to use one of your songs. And that way, you know, just cultivating relationships and not just taking. So that was her her biggest thing is just giving and giving. And then when you give, you always get You're going to get something back. Every time. Yep. Every time. I wish the whole world worked that yep. way because it is about connection yep. and community and just Freaking loving on people. That's right. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that she's putting out that out in the world and yeah. that you are spreading that message yeah. in your work. Yeah. And so how do you even start to find inspiration or words for a song? Well, you know, sometimes it's talking to people. Sometimes it's seeing something on television. Sometimes it's, I have I had some friends, sadly, who were married for 46 years or going through a divorce. They were my muse for a lot of the stuff that I that I wrote about. Their son that set me free is going through addiction and mental health. So that was part of, so it's really sort of those stories that I see about people. And I just kind of write about that. You know, I had a... Um, a friend of mine who's been trying to get pregnant and she had several miscarriages. So I wrote something about, I let her hear it and she started crying. I was like, I, we both started crying on the phone, but it's just real life stuff. You know what I mean? And so I had a Grammy award-winning artist tell me, uh, she goes, she's like, it's obvious you can write vulnerable and um, beautiful songs. And I, she said, I need you to write some up-tempo. You know what I mean? But it, I mean, you know, I might, I, I just, I just, it, I'm, you know, I just like to write what's real, and sometimes they come out sad, but I, I think there's always a message somewhere in those songs, and so that's just how it comes out, you know? Well, we write pain. That's right. Yeah. 100%. And what I've found about your music mm-hmm. is that it is pure, it's raw, it's real, it's yeah, vulnerable, yeah. it's intimate, it's kind of smoky. <laughs> um, your voice is incredible. Thank you. Yeah, um, thank you. I actually think I... I read um, the Washington Post said mm-hmm. you have an exceptional voice. Yeah, that was a while back. I uh, um, Borders Books and Music used to be a big thing back in the day, and so I, the one of the managers, we had a nice relationship. So I would do just coffee house tours, and and she also worked for the Washington Post, and so um, that's how that sort of thing came about, you know. Um, so that was nice to see, but um, that's cool. Yeah, so. I mean, and they did, the songs just come from like uh, just it's pain, really, and just love and life and people that are close to me that I've been able to be a witness of their journey, good and bad, you know. So that's kind of where that that stuff comes from. So what is Burn about? That's your latest. Burn is about my friends who are getting divorced. Okay. So they, yeah. um, you know, in relationships, you know, it's like you talk and talk and talk and try to figure out what the issue is. And maybe that's just who the two of you are. You just grow apart. And, you know, and um, but at the end of it, uh, there's always somebody who gets burned in, at the end of the relationship. You know what I mean? And all that pain. So that's where that song came from. Uh, my songwriting partner, Gene Quaid, him and I have been friends for 20 years. So we connect, you know, on, on writing so much. 
I remember we were writing that song and I needed a, a chorus. He was on his way to Nashville, it was 11 hour drive and we wrote that chorus. And on so, the drive. Yeah, I, we write like that a lot of times, okay. you know, so. <laughs> How does that work when you're writing together? Do you start with the words and find the music or do you start with the music and find the words? Yeah, sometimes it's both. A lot of times uh, I, I usually pick up the guitar and strum something and then, and then something comes out and it's different every time. It could just be words that I've written and then I'm playing the guitar and they fit. And so it's either way. So it's no, no real structure to it. It's just uh, as natural as it, as it can be, you know? Yeah, when things are in flow. That's right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Incredible, so, yeah. yeah. And so when you start to think about putting together an album, mm -hmm. because I know that's a dream, mm -hmm. how do you fit the pieces and parts together? Is it that you want to tell a story in an album? or? Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's... Uh, a lot of times what I do when I release a song, I lately what I've done is I sort of put a little one minute video with it. Um, and so I like to tell the story that way too. So that's one of the things um, when you put an album together, it, whatever the concept is, right? So I think all those songs that are on my Spotify could all been on an album, you know? Absolutely. And so nowadays a lot of people don't do albums. So maybe an EP, maybe four or five songs, but it's just, um, and sometimes chronologically, you want to look at maybe what the first song was or what the first song's about, and uh, you go from there. It doesn't have to really tie into anything. It's just, I guess it's just the music and the stories you're telling through that whole picture, if you will, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Like a mood, a vibe exactly. you want to set. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to say that on your Spotify, I read this, you wrote, be your authentic self in a world that wants you to be someone else. Yeah, I saw that quote somewhere, and I think a lot of times it took me a long time to um, be yourself. And what I mean by that is not being apologetic for who you are. And I think um, a lot of times people want to fit in or whatever, and I, and I it, you know, even with work, it took me till I was in my 50s to realize that working 100 hours a week wasn't a badge of honor. You know what I mean? And oh, been there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you just have to just be, just try to be authentic and tell the truth about things. What I mean is like when people ask you how you are, you know, I'm doing great, are you really? Or you're just saying that to save face, you know what I mean? So I think that people, I, I love these words, it's open, honest, and vulnerable. And I think a lot of people just, don't know how to be that yet, you know what I mean? So, and when you're talking about yourself or you're talking about what do you need, how can I help you with something, right? And just be open and honest about what you really need and, and don't worry so much about the reaction of the other person because you don't know what they can give you to help you with whatever you need, you know? So that's kind of what I mean by just being authentic. And open, honest, and vulnerable is risky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a beautiful thing too. I think it is risky and I think that I used to, when I was younger, when I was writing, I used to hide. I wouldn't let people hear my stuff because you didn't want, I didn't want people to know what, or ask me questions. Why did you write that? What's that about? You know what I mean? Now I want to tell people what stuff is about because it, it may help them too. You know, so that's the beauty of, uh, if you know Brene Brown, I'm sure you do. Oh yeah. It's just like, you can watch her, listen to her, and you're, she's had this therapy session with you in your living room. You're crying. It's like, you know, so it's that kind of thing where I think the world isn't ready to be truthful and honest and vulnerable about, about what they need. And I think that when people need things, they don't know how to ask for them because they don't want the rejection or, or um, what somebody's reaction may be. So, Yeah, I mean, Brene Brown talks about being wholehearted. Mm-hmm. I actually have a picture I'll show you sometime. When I first moved into this apartment about seven years ago and was in a divorce, I wrote wholehearted in lipstick across the mirror. And it was there for months, just reminding me to be, to be open, to share my heart, to yep. do all of this. And it's a muscle. It comes with practice. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I, yep. It is so worthwhile, but it is so hard. I know. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that people, I think, again, I think the vulnerability piece is the biggest part of what keeps people at bay from themselves and up each other. And um, the same thing with, with boundaries, too, just learning how to say no when you need to say no. And it's okay to say no. Um, and that I think that life is so much more important when you 
know yourself and what you can offer people and what you can give people as well. So how do you even start to know yourself? I think it's just, uh, you know, when you've been in relationships and you get to, you, you know what you won't accept anymore, right? So you get to know who you are and you may have been this person seven years ago or 14 years ago and you realize that you don't want to accept those things. So it's just growth, really. It's reading, it's conversing with people, it's, um, you know, uh, setting goals for yourself. It's just knowing what you, what you will accept and what you won't accept. And I think that's just with growth and experience. So to learn yourself, you know what I mean? Some so. of it's experience. I mean, I find the older I get, the better I get mm-hmm. at knowing who I am, actually taking the time to question. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it something that was always innate to you or did it take time and years? I think it took time and years because I, I think that, you know, reading, uh, reading different things and even before you're reading a book or a passage or something, maybe you didn't know that about yourself and maybe you read that passage or that book years ago and you didn't connect to it. And then as you get older, you go, then a light bulb goes off, goes, oh, that's what that is. And I think it's really just experience. And, and again, I think a lot of times when you see something or hear something, it doesn't connect with you immediately because you're not ready to you know, bring that into your life, right? But as you get older and time, a year may go by, two years, and you see that same passage or you read that same book or you see that same quote and you go, that's what that meant. And it really goes, oh. That, you know what I mean? It resonates. Yeah, exactly. It hits your heart. That's exactly. And I yeah. think that's what it is. It's just, it's just when it's your time, it's your time to accept or understand whatever that those words meant. You know what I mean? So I think it's just time and experience. So, yeah. I love time and experience when I'm tapped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took a while to even start to tap in. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what are your practices? Because you, you can't write the way you do. You you can't put this poetry on the page and in the microphone the way you do without tapping in to what you got going on in your soul. How do you do it? You know, I think that when I... Um, look, we're going to get vulnerable here for a minute, so... I'm here for it. When I was younger, there was, uh, you know, I was molested when I was very young, right? So I think that you become not really immune to things, but I think you become a more sensitive person and those things shape you in a way that you don't realize at first, right? So when you're, when you're writing, when you're younger, things come out in a way that, you know, um, may not be so appropriate, but you know, there's still an emotion that you had, right? And so when you get older, you kind of, I think it's just a sensitive thing and I could have gone this way when that happened, or I could have gone this way when it happened, but I think I just was in the middle of trying to figure out who I was and how that I was going to let that situation affect me, right? And that's what made me a sensitive person. So I'm sensitive to anything that has to do with mental health, addiction, or anybody that I can help. So I think just me feeling everybody else's pain, and that's where those words come from, you know what I mean? Even because they're real to those people and they meant, those things meant a lot to them. You know, my friends that were married for 40 years, my, my friend is, is still 30 something years old. I've known him since he was a baby, he's still an addict. And so I'm, I'm, I'm and in tune to their pain too. And not so much absorbing it where it brings me down with depression, but being able to feel, just really emotionally feel what they're feeling. And I think that's where I've, I've been able to um, tap into those emotional things, you know? Well, I think that goes back to what you talk about with boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to feel it. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to take it on as yours. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough line to walk. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's, and I think that's where, you know, and when I meet people, um, I always ask them, you know, Somebody will bring something into UPS and I'll go, what are you sending off? A book? Did you write it? Nope. I said, well, I hope you get to write a book one day. Everybody has a story. I always want to know what people's passion is. I want to know because a lot of times people are bogged down with day-to-day life and they don't kind of look at what they can do for themselves or things that they might want. So I'm always interested in what people 
uh, what they need and what they want out of life. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times they just don't ask themselves that. You know, and that was one of Kathy Heller's thing too. You know, like, like, what do you want to do? Like, what would you tell your six-year-old self? You know, what would you, you deserve this. You can do this, you know? And so that was, and just reflecting on that, that whole process with her was a really big thing for a lot of people just to really go, well, maybe I can do this. Maybe, and there, and it's still ongoing. Even though she stepped away from it, she has people in place that kind of carry the torch after her. And that's Sean Kleinbaum and Sonnet Matthews. And she just, it was beautiful because they just carry the torch for her, you know? So that was a huge blessing. Wasn't well, it amazing what gets energetically put out into the universe when we support mm-hmm. one another, when yeah. we breathe life into one another, when we just ask questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Tell me about UPS because you're at UPS mm-hmm. and you're asking people questions. So I want to know how that works for you, what you learn from the day-to-day average public coming in. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? And how do you, you've transformed it from a job to an experience, yeah. I think. Yeah. A lot of those people, I mean, uh, every Christmas, I mean, they give, I remember it was my birth, my 60th birthday. I, I mean, people from the bank came in and brought me gifts. My the, Some of the clients bought me gifts. And I think um, that experience is, the reason why I took that job at UPS, because I worked at Bed Bath & for 20 years, got laid off. And then I worked at, uh, what was this? not Staples, but Office Depot for like three years. And those hours were just killing me. And then it took me, that's why I said it took me a long time to realize that doing all that and working all those hours just wasn't a badge of honor. My dad was getting older, he's getting dementia. So, you know, I go help my parents a couple times a week. And so I took on that job because I knew that it would give me more time for myself musically and spiritually. And I just kind of wanted to be something that wasn't so stressful for me. And um, I love the people that come in and out of there. I mean, they've been, I've met a lot of great people. There's a woman who has a mailbox there. She does film and stuff like that. She always asks me, like, we talk to each other about what we're doing about us musically and things like that and and, uh, creatively. And uh, it's, I have people take me out to lunch. It's just been this great experience. So it's I love that place, man. This it's is a- so cool. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh yeah, it's, that it was it's that. great. Oh yeah. Well, that's the energy that you meet people with. I mean, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was like, I need, I need to know her. <laughs> I need to know. Her. <laughs> there's a there's a young lady. She makes jewelry. She's like, oh, she. Well, we actually follow each other on Facebook. I mean, on Instagram now. She texts me. She's like, Are you working today? I go, No, I'm not. Then I I um. She goes, I have something to give you. So I saw her at Publix a few days later. She gave me a nice uh, Starbucks gift card, you know. So it's been, you know, just it's just like a it's like a community, you know. And uh, you take care of them. They take care of us. My boss is great. She never calls me up and goes, you didn't make sales today. But I would get that sort of thing at, at Office Depot and, and um, Bed Bath & Beyond. And, uh, but she never calls and goes, what's going on? She trusts me enough to run her store. And so that's been a blessing too. So, yeah. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Well, yeah. I mean, leadership flows. Yeah. It, the right kind of leadership yeah. just expands people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen you lead people yeah. in the store, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. you're definitely in charge yeah. <laughs> um, in the most beautiful way, yeah, in the most you. encouraging and supporting way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really try to read people and what their needs are, you know, so I got a good staff. And I hear that from the customers that come in the stores. She goes, you guys, you got a really good staff, you know, so. And they say it in the, you know, we get a monthly report that shows really good comments. And, you know, we get 80 to 100 almost every time. So, yeah. I didn't even know we could leave up. Okay. (laughs) So here's an important point to the listeners out there. Like, your comments matter. Your positivity matters. Mm -hmm. It flows through to everything. Yeah. That's right. It really does. And it makes a big difference, you know, and uh, I just think that, you know, when the older people come in my store, you know, I um, I always help them regardless. I mean, it's part of my job, but it's a thing because I pray to God that if my parents are out in public and they needed help in terms of using something on their phone, that they would get the same treatment. You know what I mean? Because. Um, they'll come there with the Amazon. They're trying to return something. I don't know how to do it. So you got to show them on their, you got to give them a tutorial on their phone, you know, or they don't know how to use the copier. I mean, it's part of my job and it's part of who I am. But um, the other part is you get what you give, right? And that's why I say, I hope to God, if my parents are out in public and they're, they're 80 and 82, that people do the same thing for them, you know? So. You just made me think about my great grandmother. (laughs) 
we called her Granny Annie. Uh-huh. And she would sit, they were country, lived on a farm, mm-hmm. and she would sit on the rocking chair and just talk about, she was like 85, 90 at the time. She'd talk about the old people, <laughs> which clearly did not include her. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a blessing because that's going to be me one day. And again, my parents are already there. So I just, I want that energy to get, to spill over to help with my parents if they needed it, if they're out in public, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's all put that energy out there. Exactly. Because yeah. we're going to be in that place at a certain time. You know? You're right. You're right. Sooner rather than later. I know. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Well, tell me about 1.8 films mm-hmm. because that's your Instagram handle. Yeah. Well, it, it used to be Lisa E. Williams so it got hacked a few years ago. Oh, gosh, you're not the first story I've heard so like that. crazy. Yeah. I'm like, get a job, do something else, people. Um, so 1.8 Films is um, when I first started getting into film, I, um, you know, we were in this group and then uh, the other group broke off and we were trying to find a name for our group. So 1.8 Films came up and I, I just... I just took the name and I got all the 1.8films.com, 1.8films.net. Nice. And so um, I'm writing a feature now with a friend of mine and I hope to get funding for it. Um, so I love the marriage of, of film and, and uh, music, you know, and I just really um, enjoy that part. So that's what I want to do too. I want to marry all those things together and be able to put those words in, in a visual context as well. Okay, so, but it's different from music videos, or is that part of it? Well, well, music videos are just music videos in terms of uh, how they come across, but a lot of times, a lot of music videos now are almost like short films. Yeah. So that's kind of what that that whole 1.8 films is about, and, um, and just really be able to do a visual uh, part of uh, the music too, if you will, you know. But uh, the other feature that I'm trying to write, I am writing is, uh, is another personal thing. That's about the, the death of my mother who died when I was like six months old. She had a ruptured appendix. And so I'm writing that and um, I hope to get some funding to get that done too. So, yeah. What do you know about your mom? Not much. Yeah. You know, um, my dad, uh, I, I he never kept in contact with her family. And then he just tells me that, that they weren't very good people. So I just like, okay. But she does have a friend that's still alive who's her best friend that I still talk to. Her name is Maxine. So she tells me stories about her all the time. Your mother was such a, a great person. She just loved everything. So those are the memories that I have. And now that my dad has gotten dementia, it's not, it's not so progressive, but if you ask him where he lived right now, he couldn't tell you. And so Maxine and I still talk at least once a month and she gets to tell me stories about her. So that's what I know about my mom, you know? So uh, my dad married very quickly afterwards, like a year later. Um, so, the, you know, my mom, obviously I have, she's the one that raised me. So we get along great. But I wanted to tell a story about whatever experience there was. I mean, there's always going to be some, uh, you know, not fluff, if you will, but some just creating a story around that. So, so that's what I'm writing about. Uh, we create the best story we can mm-hmm. around the facts. Exactly. And then, yeah. I mean, what story isn't yeah. shaped right. by our own experience, exactly. our own lens? Yep. All of that. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, So I was adopted. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was always so curious about my mother, mm-hmm. my birth mother. I, yeah. I didn't know her. Mm-hmm. I met her later in life. But in your family dynamic, how did it play out? Like, was there always a piece that was missing or that you were curious about? Did you always know that you lost your mom? Well, I I think I knew when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. And I just remember my sister telling me my mom getting sick and her being rushed to the hospital. And then um, my dad tells the story of the doctors kept saying she was going to be fine. And uh, I remember you know, my dad was getting ready. I think he was in school or in the war, whatever he was doing was work-related for the military. But he tells a story of her, um, he's leaving and he says, she says to him, it's my dad telling me this, I just take care of the kids, just take care of the kids, please take care of the kids. And dad's like, what are you talking about? The doctor says she's gonna be fine. So he left. And then uh, they called him back and she was gone. Yeah, so. 
So it's like she knew. She knew. Yeah. So there's four of us. I have a, I have a half-brother, too. We're all super close. I mean, especially John and I. He's the youngest uh, boy, but we're all, him and I are super close. He lives here, too. So, Tell um, me about your family. Well, my, I was like saying my dad's in the military. Uh, he was a colonel. And then one Purple Heart, he got shot down twice from a helicopter. So, <laughs> and okay. uh, uh, my brother's followed in his footsteps. Uh, he's a, he was a full colonel. He's now retired. I have a sister who lives in Harrisburg and a brother that lives in uh, Charlotte. And then I have another brother who just moved here with his wife um, because he got a job. He, he's in the, in the restaurant business, and uh, which is a blessing because they live at my parents' house now, which is... We were trying to get them to move out something smaller because the house is 6,000 square feet for the oh, two of them, right? Gosh, yeah. So they live downstairs, and they, you know, it's a big help because I don't feel like I have to rush over there all the time. And, and um, uh, so they have somebody there at the house. But they're all, we're all close. We all do brother, sister, silly sibling stuff and tease each other, and you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, it's good. We, we're, and we like spending time with our parents. My, my brother's kids, my sister, they all like spending time with their grandparents. They like spending time with their parents. And so it's a big, huge, loving family. Fun, right, exactly. Vibrant. I yeah. love that. So we're all, we're all close, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were really close to your dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah I, I wrote a song about him uh, called War, and it's uh, I haven't released it yet. I'm not quite finished with it, but it was like just telling a story about how he's getting dementia, you know? So um, that's another one. Um, that is war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's hard to watch. Yeah, it is. I mean, he... We, him and I have always been close, I, and I always, um, I take him all the time to get his hair cut, and I always put on Facebook, I go, okay, we're taking St. Nick, Santa Claus to get his hair cut, again, trim his beard, so. Uh, How does he get to be called St. Nick? Because he, he, when you see him, he's yeah. look, he he's looks like St. Nick, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he, uh, he always, he tells me all the time, I love you, baby girl, yeah, I love you so much, you're such a good daughter, he's just. We've always had a good relationship. We we've bond over music. When he he doesn't listen to his music much anymore, but we would sit in his den and listen to like Eva Cassidy and the, the, you know James Taylor and just listen to music. I'd sit in the, the big couch. He'd sit in his chair and we'd just be listening to my mom being off in the kitchen and stuff like that. So yeah, I love this. Yeah. I mean, love shapes us. Yeah, it really does. Parental and love's a big deal. It's such a big deal. It means so much and. Um, you know, I, I'm so blessed that that we are close, and I have that relationship with both of them, but especially my dad, because uh, he's just been—he's um, he's just every day he tells me, you know. And it's not a day go by that I don't talk to him, you know. Um, Mom texts me; she's 82, gives me the emojis and everything, and hearts. And if it's raining, she gives me the umbrella emoji, and like. So. I love speaking through emojis. It's so—it's a weakness. But maybe, they have like 82-year-old yeah, mom so do that. It's so fun yes. that she's figured out how to do yep, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just—it's good. So, but you're right. It's—it's it's love of your parents. It's, it's huge, and it really does shape who you are and who you become and what you give out in the world too. So uh, it's foundational. Yeah. 100%. Foundational. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Tell me about, do you have a favorite song that you've written? Uh, right now it's burn. I think, Oh yeah. It's so good. It got a, it's got a lot of good feedback from a lot of different areas. And, um, I love the way we and how it got produced too. So that's probably my favorite one right now. Do you perform live? I used to. I used to do when I first moved here. I did uh, some Eddie's Attic. Have you ever been there? Yeah, yeah. Kind of Eddie's Attic. Um, yeah. And then uh, Red Clay Theater. You ever been there in Duluth? No. Yeah, it's the Eddie Owens now runs that. Who used to run Eddie's Attic? So no, I. But I'm thinking about going out and doing some more, doing some open mics again. I like to go out and perform again. I might start doing some Instagram live and things like that again. So sign me up. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I would love I'm thinking that. about doing that too. Yeah. 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 How do you, as a performer, connect with an audience? How do you sit on the stage <laughs> with a guitar and a microphone and make a connection? Um, it's usually, you know, I usually try to tell about myself a little bit or sometimes I'll talk about the song a little bit and then people kind of connect that way. And um, I think it's just about, to me, it's like just 
bring the audience in, you know, because they're here to see you or see other performers. And again, it's just talking about yourself a little bit or maybe even just connecting with the story that you're getting ready to tell. And somebody's like, you know, a light bulb goes off in their head and they're like, you know, and they'll come up to you afterwards and talk to you about it. So it's just doing those type of things. How I think does that, that work? I've, I've done, when I do open mics, uh, people usually come up afterwards and they'll go, or they'll say, what really connects them sometimes is the way, because I have a deep voice, and when I sing, it's it's different, but it still resonates with them because they can feel the emotion yeah. in my voice, I think, and a lot of think people connect with that, too. And so they'll come up and talk to you a little bit and um, maybe ask you about the song or whatever, and then you, you, know, you might exchange numbers, you might exchange Instagrams, you know, and so it kind of works that way, I think. Tell me about love. Do you write about love? Yes, but I write about it in a way that it's, it's probably already been broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I think I, um, let's see, I'm 60. I have three relationships my entire life, and I'll probably never get in a relationship again. And that's okay. I'm not worried about that. But um, I think that um, I really write about love, it's the story and how they got there and how it ended up. Um, um, like with Burn or even... Um, there's a place, there's a song called This House that I wrote with a friend of mine. I know that one. And um, I, um, that was about them not giving up, actually, right, And that song. And so it just talks about, you know, the foundation of the house and things that are broken, but you're still not going to leave this house, right? So that was kind of a more of a positive song and to some degree. So I think... Um, you know, I've seen people be married for 50 and 60 years, right? But I think that that song, This House, just more told that story of, you know, even though things, you know, are broken, you know, we can fix this, right? Because we're not going to leave this place. So so that is writing about love in that aspect. And then, um, I, I, and most of it, again, what I was writing about is it's always some sort of painful thing, you know? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> And I love up-tempo songs, right. too, but sometimes when I write about it, it's just like, oh, I got to rip your heart out to get there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's what helps us feel seen and connected is talking about pain. Yeah. Feeling that pain. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say be seen. I, I, we used to have this, we have this songwriter thing that we do every Friday night with a bunch of songwriters. We call it Songwriter Happy Hour, and we kind of share songs and um I had started writing this song about somebody, a young girl that was just hurt emotionally. And uh, one of the girls emailed me the next day. She said, is that a true song? Because if it is, that's the first time that I ever felt seen. And we just both started crying together. So I was like, you know, so yeah. 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 Because you want to be seen. You want to be heard. You know, you, you know, when they say it's not the same exactly, but a representation of, you know, things that may have happened to you in your life or things you, you know, you, you want to see on screen or whatever, they really do matter, you know, because you want to feel like you're not the only one. And, and nine times out of ten, you're not, but you don't always feel that. So you want to hear it, you want to see it, you know, and be like, oh, this is how they dealt with that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's why music is so powerful. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. I can't imagine a life without music. Yeah, me either. Yeah. And when it resonates... It it's resonates. Huge. Yeah. It's huge. I think I'm going to start writing songs just so I can come to songwriters happy hour. <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing because we, and, and we critique each other's stuff in such a positive way. It's always uplifting. And, just, and all, again, that's another spinoff from Kathy Heller. We were all in that saying different groups, but we were all went through that thing. Oh, that's neat. So it's like, I and mean, it's local. It's all local artists. Well, yeah. No, there no. we were in Seattle, Australia. It's uh -uh. a zoo. Yeah, no England, way. England. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. California. I mean, it's just insane. And all those people came from her group. Okay. All those people came from her group, and it's just beautiful. I'm telling you, it's just so. What she, I don't know if she knows the impact she had on everybody that was in that group because they all did spinoffs on different things. And it's crazy. And all those people are from her group. That's how we all met. Gosh, I mean, for me, the lesson of that is just put it out into the world. You don't know who you're going to impact. That's right. You don't know who you're going to help. You don't That's know right. what kind of communities you're going to build yeah. and not even know that it's happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, and then you 
just pour into one another. Oh, it's it's so great. There's a a bunch of the people that were in her group has started their own sync, very successful sync agencies. And um, what is a sync agency? It's how you get your stuff. So basically, uh, you know, they put out a call for or I want to say an audition. What do they call it? Um, so they'll say such and such uh, company needs a song that sounds like this. And so the sync agency has all these songs that they have. And you bid, you sort of bid on that project. And so you send your songs into that agency, um, to that. So say BMW wants a song, right? And so they'll look for this company called Sus Music. They're a sick agency. So they have all these songs in their agency. And so they'll say, oh, I have a song for you, BMW. Here's one from such and such artists. And they may take that. It may be $50,000, maybe $100,000, maybe $200,000. So that's what that is. The agency houses all the music. And then um, a company will call BMW or Cadillac or even a film company will call. We need a song for this scene. And so you, the agency houses all those songs and they'll send the songs that are appropriate for that particular scene. And you may get that job, you may not, but it's like the money is, can be life changing. Yeah. So So. like TV shows, movies, advertisements. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So interesting. Yeah. Because when we listen to music, we don't think about the, how the money works. That's right. Right? It just yeah, happens. yeah. But yeah, it, it, uh, she, she, a lot of those people that were in her group started their own agencies. And I have a song, a couple songs signed to each, almost each one of those. So yeah, so it's been great. Does it work? Is it lump sum or does it come out in royalties? It's lump sum, but sometimes the payment takes a while, but it comes out in royalties in terms of, uh, things from Spotify and things like that. So um, it would be, some say it'll say, the, the brief is what they call it. And so the brief will say what the cost is and the sync agency might take 10% and the rest of it goes to you. So it's, we've had, um, there's a guy that was in her group, his name is Jiraj. He's He was able to quit his job, start his own agency, and he's had stuff in Super Bowl, um, major motion pictures, just crazy. This is cool. Yeah, it's just, it's insane. Um, so, yeah, it's it can be very, very lucrative. So, and especially when you have people that believe in you, you know what I mean? They're pitching your stuff, you know? So a lot of stuff that, all those songs that are on my Spotify, I think everyone is signed except for Catch Me, and that's it. Oh, all the ones are already signed at different agencies, so, yeah. Well, let's fix that. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, you know. And you just have to just be patient because some people get songs uh, in a ad or or a television that they've written twelve years ago. So you just have to keep writing and don't get discouraged. And and that's why we do those songwriting happy hours to keep each other in check, keep each other motivated. And sometimes collaborations come out of those things. So yeah, it's kind of like a mastermind. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I take so much energy and joy from the mastermind groups yeah. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is that is neat. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of want to know that there's so much to you, and mm-hmm. so there's a hundred and one things I could ask you that I don't know to mm-hmm. ask. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, what coming in here today is there something on your heart that you want to share that I'm not asking? I don't know. I think that I, uh, the, for me, I think the biggest takeaway that I would say is that I think that, I try not to sound cliche, but I just want people to care about themselves and other people, but in a way that's real and vulnerable. So I think I want people to know you know, it's okay to to fail. It's okay to, for me anyway, I just think I, I want, I think that people have to understand that uh, life is short. So I'm just going to do what, what I can to make sure that my life is filled up with good things, bad things in, in terms of vulnerability, in terms of being in love and, and or and just really caring about yourself and know and have boundaries about, uh, your life too. I, I think I don't want people to be 60 and go, damn, I should have done that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just want people to know that life is so short and you got to just try to live it the best that you can and uh, be open about things. 
And just don't be so closed off, I think, about being vulnerable and accepting people into your life, I guess. You know what I mean? Um, my friends always say, if you're not going to ever date again, yeah, I say that. But if the right person came along, yeah, I probably would date again. You know what I mean? So I think that just be open to blessings, you know, just be open to those things. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. And be careful about saying, I'll never. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's surely coming back around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I just go after what you want, I think, you know. I mean, I love life. I really do. I mean, I love, uh, my mom always tells me when there's a bad storm, she's like, did you hear that storm last night? You, 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 I couldn't even sleep. I said, I slept right through it because I love that stuff. I'll put on a sound of rain and thunderstorms and go to sleep to that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I don't know, just be open to what's out there for you, I guess, you know? So much appreciation, so much gratitude with you, so much perspective. You can look at a thunderstorm and see it as a negative thing, or you could see it as a beautiful act of nature. I love it. I love it. Me too. Yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I used to be afraid of dark when I was a kid, and I have a girl that rents my room. She's hardly ever home. Like she's home one one month out of the year. She just sends me her rent money, but um, she'll come out of her room and she'll go, "Why are you sitting in the dark?" I love sitting in the dark with a, just the glow of the computer, writing. You know what I mean? I just love that kind of thing. You know? Do you just get lost in it? Oh man, yeah. I, I have just a nice instrumental piano playing in the background it's just just get absorbed by it all you know and you're not and there's no it's this you the darkness the glow of the thing and this is very faint um nice piano piece just playing and i just love it so in the dark <laughs> i'm here for it i knew our conversation was going to be rich and beautiful i just had a feeling but i had no idea how deep oh, it would go you. and how how much it would touch me. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I really, I, I'm thankful. I I love talking about life, other people, myself. I, I love it. So I thank you for taking the time. I really do. It's been great. Anytime. <laughs> what a gift you are. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yay. <laughs> what a light. She speaks with so much truth. And I will always be thankful that we struck up a conversation at the UPS store and then at the bank and then kept the conversation going. Isn't that just the best? The fact that Lisa even took the time to smile, to invite a connection, that is the beauty of life. And, you know, we talked about Kathy Heller. Her podcast was the first time I ever heard someone close a podcast with a list of takeaways. And when she did that, I breathed a sigh of relief. I've heard others do it since, but you know by now, my type A attorney's heart really does love a list. So here we go. These are the highlights. Woven through each of these is Lisa's wisdom and her strength. Number one, Lisa says, I don't want to say it's painful if the words don't come out, but sometimes you have to get it on paper. Writing what you're feeling helps you process it. Friends, I feel that so deeply. Let the words pour onto the page. This is my truth too. It can be yours. It is so healing. Number two, it's all about growing connections and cultivating relationships. Don't take, take, take. Give, give, give. Yeah. Number three, inspiration comes from people's stories. And when performing on stage, telling the story of a song creates connection with the audience. Lisa says, I like to write what's real. Sometimes it comes out sad. Songs come from pain and love and life and being a witness to others' journeys. In fact, number four, Lisa tells customers at the UPS store, I hope you get to write a book one day because everyone has a story. She says, I'm always interested in what people need or want out of life, but often they just don't ask themselves that. Number five, be your authentic self in a world that wants you to be someone else. Be unapologetic about who you are. Tell the truth about things. Number six, Working 100 hours a week 
is not a badge of honor. Number seven, breathe life into one another. And if you must, critique one another in a positive way, in a way that is uplifting. Number eight, you get what you give. This is, by the way, one of my favorite songs by the Zac Brown Band, and that line is everything. You get what you give. Number nine, show respect and patience to the elderly in public. Let that energy spill over. It could be your parents. It could be you. Number 10, cultivate a friendship with a woman like Maxine. Maxine was close to Lisa's birth mother, her mother. And for a friend like Maxine, who will keep your story alive with love, after we quit recording, Lisa and I bonded over having two mothers and how that impacted our lives. Each of us had a birth mother and then a mother who raised us. And you heard Lisa refer to mom, and that's the woman who married her father, who raised her. There's so much love there, but I'll tell you, it's a fine line to walk the love and respect for your mom and the curiosity about the woman who brought you into this world. More on that later sometime, maybe. Yeah? Number 11, Lisa observes, the love of your parents is huge and it really does shape who you are and what you become and what you put out into the world. And let me just note that the need for our parents' love and support, it doesn't end at 18 and it doesn't end when we grow up. That need never ends. We don't always receive it though. So it's in learning how to care for ourselves that the real growth happens. Which leads to the next and final point. Lisa shares, I just want people to care about themselves and others in a way that's real and vulnerable. Life is short, so live it and be open to blessings. I know I know that this has blessed you. This is one of those episodes you'll want to go back to listen again, to share with a friend. And if you're ever feeling alone, and we all have those days, pull this conversation up, listen again, and know that we are sitting right there with you. For more, I've put Lisa's contact information in the show notes. Find her on Spotify. You will be so glad you did. Her voice, her words. I'm just saying, listen and subscribe because there's more coming and you do not want to miss it. Find Lisa on Instagram at 1.8 films and let her know how much her story touched you. Now here's Lisa's latest track, Burn, a song about being on the cusp of falling apart. Strangers, but 
Pretending there's nothing to say Maybe it's just Where we are Walking back through our past Ooh, with a heavy heart Another one down, another one lost You know, lightning strikes, but then it fades out There's always someone on the other end Who gets hurt, who gets hurt Wish we could Yeah.